Well, Shabbat Shalom, brothers and sisters. Glad to see everyone back for another edition of God Honest Truth live stream coming to you straight from GodHonestTruth.com. And homosexuality is a hot and highly debated topic right now, even though it's been around for centuries, even millennia in some aspects. But what do we really know about homosexuality and specifically as it relates to scripture? Some people say some things nowadays, other people say other things, but what does scripture actually say about it? Well, in tonight's drosh, we're going to get all into all about homosexuality and scripture, so make sure to stay tuned for that. But before we get into the drosh, of course, we're going to be doing the liturgy, and as always, the scriptures, the Torah portion, the half Torah portion, and the Brit Hadashah portion. So make sure to stay tuned for that as well. Now, if you're just joining us for the first time, we are God Honest Truth, and we, you can find out more about us at GodHonestTruth.com. We are a Messianic ministry based out of Western North Carolina. And if you need to contact us for any reason, if you have any questions, any comments, any concerns, or if you have any suggestions, be sure to contact us through any of our many social media profiles. And you can find all those on our website, GodHonestTruth.com. Or you can contact us directly at team at GodHonestTruth.com. So any of those ways that work for you, just use them and contact us whenever you need to. So, with all that being said, let's go ahead and dive into our liturgy. Blessed be his name, whose glorious kingdom is for eternity. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And have these words which I command you this day be upon your heart. And you shall teach them diligently to your children, and speak of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. And you shall bind them for a sign upon your hand, and let them be frontlets between your eyes, and you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and upon your gates. Psalm 
All right, so in the way of announcements this week, of course, we're going to give you the upcoming episode schedule. Like I said, tonight, we're going to have a drosh on homosexuality and the scriptures. And then next week, we're going to be doing another scriptural dossier on the person of Isaac, who is father's word, who his children were, and of course, all about him from scripture. So make sure to do that. Make sure to stay tuned for that next week at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Friday. And then, of course, we have the next upcoming episodes for about the next two months or so in front of you right now on your screen. Speaking in tongues, basic financial management, which a lot of schools don't teach nowadays. Tithing Lunar Sabbath, another scriptural dossier on Jacob, adultery and worship. Now, of course, this is all due to change, so make sure to tune in every week for an updated and revised list if it so happens. And as always, here is your list of upcoming events for the next year for the feast day schedule. And of course, our next feast day is going to be Yom Teruah or Rosh Hashanah. And that comes up on sunset of September 25th and runs through sunset of September 27th. So make sure to be prepared for that. And you know the date, so there's no excuse as far as that goes. And in your prayer list, like always, keep these people in your prayers, especially the nation of Israel and the peace of Jerusalem, like Scripture tells us to pray for. As always, be in prayer for your nation, wherever you may reside in the world, and keep those people who put their lives on the line and, you know, put themselves out there for other people on a daily basis. That would be law enforcement, fire department, the military, frontline responders, EMS, medical personnel, all those. Be sure to keep those in your prayers as well. Now, as most of you may have heard already, today we have got a big announcement in America here, and that is the overturning of Roe v. Wade, which is a very, very good step in the progress towards protecting unborn children. That was something that was holding us back and massacring unborn children in the millions every year. So that's a very good step that our government here in America, especially the Supreme Court, has taken a step in the right direction. And they ruled correctly. Roe v. Wade was always bad decision. It was never a constitutional thing. And this is something that this new decision has come out and said it is not a constitutional right. So with Roe v. Wade overturned, it now goes back to each individual state. So hopefully all the states now will get their hearts in the right place and help protect unborn children as well. Now, of course, if you'd like to find out more about that, we did post a news article on our social media profiles today, so make sure to go check that out through whichever social media network that you most alike, whether it be True Social, whether it be Parler, Gab, Getter, Facebook, Twitter. Just go check us out, and you'll find that post there that we posted earlier today. And as always, if you have any prayer requests or announcements that you would like to have announced live on air, make sure to have those into us by uh, the evening on Thursday, because we do go live at 8 p.m. on Friday. So again, make sure to have those into us by Thursday evening at the latest. So let's go back to our liturgy now. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, who has given us the way of salvation in Messiah Yeshua, he walked among us, filled with your Spirit, the only one who ever perfectly fulfilled your Torah, 
He healed the sick and raised the dead. The multitudes of our people sought his touch. He taught as no man taught. With authority he brought forth the treasures of the Torah. How the children sought him, the lepers he touched and made clean. How the despised and outcast found love and release from their sin. How the hypocrites feared him, whose words uncovered their sin. Despised and rejected, acquainted with grief, he bore the sins of Israel. All we, like sheep, have gone astray, turned every one to his own way. Our iniquities were laid upon the king, the sins of the world, his burden to bear. He rose from the dead and opened the way to life everlasting, praise his name. We are in him, his spirit empowers, new life is ours with joy and peace. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, who has given us Messiah our King. For the sake of our Master Yeshua, in his merit and virtues, may the sayings of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be favorable before you, O Lord, my Rock and my Redeemer. Amen. Avinu Shabashamayim Yikadesh Shimcha Tavo Mahutecha Yasa Ratzonecha Ba'aretz ka'asher na'asa v'ashamayim. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Let thy kingdom come, let thy will be done, as on earth, so as in heaven. Ten lanu hayom lechem hukenu, usalach lanu et ashmatenu ka'asher. So lechem anachnu la'asher ashmulanu. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Ve'al tevienu lidei masa, ki im hasilenu min hara. Ki lacha, hamam lacha, v'hagavura, v'hatifaret, le'olame, olamim. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. None can compare to you, O Lord, and nothing compares to your creation. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Your mercy endures throughout all generations. The Lord is king. The Lord was king. The Lord shall be king throughout all time. May the Lord grant his people mercy. May the Lord bless his people with peace. Proclaim the Lord's greatness with me. Let us exalt him together. And it came to pass, whenever the ark went forth, Moses would say, Arise, O Lord, and let your enemies be scattered. May those who hate you flee from before you. For from Zion shall go forth the Torah and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Blessed be he who in holiness gave the Torah to his people Israel. All right, and tonight's Torah portion is going to be Genesis chapter 41, verses 1 through 37. And like always, we'll give you just a moment to find that in your preferred translation at home. Genesis chapter 41, verse 1. And it came to be at the end of two years' time that Pharaoh had a dream and saw him standing by the river. 
and saw seven cows coming up out of the river, beautiful looking and fat. And they fed amongst the reeds, then saw seven other cows coming up after them out of the river, ugly and lean of flesh, and stood by the other cows on the bank of the river. And the ugly and lean of flesh cows ate up the seven beautiful looking and fat cows. Then Pharaoh awoke, and he slept and dreamed a second time, and saw seven heads of grain coming up on one stalk, plump and good, and saw seven lean heads scorched by the east wind coming up after them. And the seven lean heads swallowed the seven plump and complete heads. Then Pharaoh awoke and saw it was a dream. And it came to be in the morning that his spirit was moved, and he sent and called for all the magicians of Mizraim and all its wise men. And Pharaoh related to them his dreams, but there was no one who could interpret them for Pharaoh. Then the chief cupbearer spoke to Pharaoh, saying, I remember my crimes this day. When Pharaoh was wroth with his servants and put me in confinement in the house of the captain of the guard, both me and the chief baker, each one of us dreamed a dream in one night, he and I. Each of us dreamed according to the interpretation of his own dream. And there was with us a Hebrew youth, a servant of the captain of the guard, and we related to him, and he interpreted our dreams for us. To each man he interpreted according to his own dream. And it came to be as he interpreted for us, so it came to be. He restored me to my office, and he hanged him. Then Pharaoh sent and called Yosef, and they hurriedly brought him out of the dungeon. And he shaved and changed his garments and came to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Yosef, I have dreamed a dream, and there is no one to interpret it. Now I myself have heard it said of you that you understand a dream to interpret it. And Yosef answered Pharaoh and saying, It is not in me. Let Elohim answer Pharaoh with peace. And Pharaoh said to Yosef, See, in my dream I stood on the bank of the river and saw seven cows coming up out of the river, beautiful looking and fat, and they fed amongst the reeds. Then saw seven other cows coming up after them, poor and very ugly and lean of flesh, such ugliness as I have never seen in all the land of Mitzrayim. And the lean of flesh and ugly cows ate up the first seven and the fat cows. Yet when they had eaten them up, no one would have known that they had eaten them, for they were as ugly as at the beginning. Then I awoke. Also I looked in my dream and saw seven heads coming up on one stalk, complete and good. Then, seven, then saw seven heads, withered, lean, scorched by the east wind, coming up after them. And the lean heads swallowed the seven good heads, and I spoke to the magicians, but there was no one who could explain it to me. And Yosef said to Pharaoh, The dream of Pharaoh is one. Elohim has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good heads are seven years. It is one dream. And the seven lean and ugly cows which came up after them are seven years, and the seven empty heads scorched by the east wind are seven years of scarcity of food. This is the word which I spoke to Pharaoh. Elohim has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. See, seven years of great plenty are coming in all the land of Mitzrayim. But after them, seven years of scarcity of food shall arise, and all the plenty be forgotten in the land of Mitzrayim. And the scarcity of food shall destroy the land. And the plenty shall not be remembered in the land because of the scarcity of food following, for it is very severe. And the dream was repeated to Pharaoh twice because the word is established by Elohim, and Elohim is hastening to do it. And now let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man, and set him over the land of Mitzrayim. 
Let Pharaoh do this, and let him appoint overseers over the land to take up one-fifth of the land of Mitzrayim in the seven years of plenty, and let them gather all the food of those good years that are coming, and store up grain under the hand of Pharaoh, and let them keep food in the cities. And the food shall be for a store for the land for the seven years of scarcity of food, which shall be in the land of Mitzrayim. And do not let the land be cut off by the scarcity of food. And the word was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of all his servants. Barukata Yahweh, Eloheinu Melech HaOlam, Asher Natan Lanu Torah Temet, Bechaye Olam Betukenu, Barukata Yahweh, Noten HaTorah. Amen. This is the Torah which Moses placed before the children of Israel. It is in accord with the Lord's command by the hand of Moses. It is a tree of life to those who take hold of it, and those who support it are praiseworthy. Its ways are ways of pleasantness, and all its paths are peace. Bring us back, Lord, to you, and we shall come. Renew our days as of old. Etzhaim hi, lama hazim kimba, vetomehe ha meushar, derahe ha darhe noam, Vehonativoteha shalom. Ashivenu adonai. Elehave nashuva. Hadesh, Hadesh amenu. Hadesh amenu Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who has chosen faithful prophets to speak words of truth. Amen. And tonight's Haftorah portion is going to be Isaiah chapter 29, verses 1 through 16. And we'll give you just a moment to find that in your preferred translation at home. Genesis chapter 29, verse 1. Woe to Ariel, to Ariel, the city where Dawi dwelt. Add year to year, let festivals come around. And I shall distress Ariel, and there shall be mourning and sorrow, and it shall be to me as Ariel. And I shall encamp against you all around. I shall lay siege against you with a mound, and I shall raise siege works against you. And you shall be brought low and speak out of the ground, and your speech shall be low out of the dust, and your voice shall be like a medium's out of the ground, and your speech whisper out of the dust. For the crowd of those strange to you shall be like fine dust, and the crowd of the ruthless ones as chaff blowing away. And it shall be in an instant suddenly. You shall be visited by Yahweh of hosts with thunder and earthquake and great noise, with whirlwind and storm and flame of devouring fire. Then the crowd of all the nations who fight against Ariel, even all who fight against her and her stronghold and distress her, shall be as a dream of a night vision. 
And it shall be as when a hungry man dreams and he and sees, he eats. But he awakes and his being is empty, or as when a thirsty man dreams and see, he drinks. But he awakes and see, he is faint and his being and his being is longing. Thus shall the crowd of all the nations be who fight against Mount Zion. Pause and wonder. Blind yourselves and be blind. They are drunk, but not with wine. They stagger, but not with strong drink. For Yahweh has poured out on you the spirit of deep sleep, and has closed your eyes, the prophets. And he has covered your heads, the seers. And the entire vision is to you like the words of a book that is sealed, which men give to, no, give to one who knows books, saying, Read this, please. And he said, I am unable, for it is sealed. And the book is given to one who does not know books, saying, Read this, please. And he said, I have not known books. And Yahweh says, Because this people has drawn near with its because this people has drawn near with its mouth, and with its lips they have esteemed me, and it has kept its heart far from me, and their fear of me has become a command of men that is taught. Therefore, see, I am doing I am again doing a marvelous work among the people, a marvelous work and a wonder. And the wisdom of their wise men shall perish, and the understanding of their clever men shall be hidden. Woe to those who seek deep to hide their counsel far from Yahweh, and their works are in the dark. They say, Who sees us, and who knows us? How perverse of you! Should the potter be reckoned as the clay? Should what is made say of its maker, He did not make me? And what is formed say of him who formed it, He did not understand? Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who has given to us the living word in Messiah Yeshua. Blessed are you, O Lord, giver of the renewed covenant. Amen. All right, and tonight's Brit Hadashah portion is going to be Revelation chapter 7, verses 1 through 17. And we'll give you just a moment to find that in your preferred translation at home. Revelation chapter 7, verse 1. And after this, I saw four messengers standing at the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor on any tree. And I saw another messenger coming up from the rising of the sun, holding the seal of the living Elohim. And he cried with a loud voice to the four messengers to whom it was given to harm the earth and the sea, saying, Do not harm the earth, nor the sea, nor the trees, until we have sealed the servants of our Elohim upon their foreheads. And I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000, sealed out of all the tribes of the children of Israel. Of the tribe of Judah, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Reuben, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Gad, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Asher, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Naphtali, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Manasseh, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Shimon, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Levi, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Issachar, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Zebulun, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Yosef, 12,000 were sealed. 
of the tribe of Benjamin, 12,000 were sealed. After this, I looked and saw a great crowd, which no one was able to count, out of all nations and tribes and peoples and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, dressed in white robes and palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, saying, Deliverance belongs to our Elohim, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. And all the messengers stood around the throne, and the elders and the four living creatures, and fell on their faces before the throne, and worshipped Elohim, saying, Amen, the blessing and the esteem, and the wisdom and the thanksgiving, and the respect, and the power and the might to our Elohim forever and ever. Amen. And one of the elders responded, saying to me, Who are these dressed in white robes, and where did they come from? And I said to him, Master, you know. And he said to me, These are those coming out of the great distress, having washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Because of this, they are before the throne of Elohim, and serve him day and night in his dwelling place. And he who sits on the throne shall spread his tent over them. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, neither shall the sun strike them, nor any heat. Because the Lamb who is in the midst of the throne shall shepherd them, and lead them to fountains of waters of life. And Elohim shall wipe away every tear from their eyes. Barukata Yahweh, Eloheinu Melech HaOlam, Asher Natan Lanu HaDavar HaEmet, Bechaye Olam Betukenu, Barukata Yahweh, Notain Habrit HaDashah. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who gave to us the word of truth and planted life everlasting in our midst. Blessed are you, O Lord, giver of the renewed covenant. Amen. So in just a moment, we'll be doing tonight's drosh. But before that, as always, we're going to take just a short break and check on our live streams. And everything seems to be looking good, which is great. Especially tonight on subjects like this, too. For those of you who have been watching in the past, you know now that we are streaming to four different platforms for our live broadcast. That is YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, and Odyssey. Now, if you'd like to watch any of those live, you can go find the links on our website, GodHonestTruth.com. But we're streaming to all four just in case one of them goes down. That way there's always a backup for people to go to. And also, just in case certain subjects, like tonight's subjects, gets banned or censored for some reason. We all know that especially YouTube likes to censor free speech and certain topics it deems controversial and that it doesn't like. Facebook is just as bad sometimes. So to try to prevent that, we up we live stream to multiple streams. YouTube, Facebook, Odyssey, and Twitch. So if one of these goes down for whatever reason, make sure to go to one of the other ones. Now, this is also the same reason why we upload our on-demand videos to multiple platforms as well. That is YouTube, excuse me, YouTube, Rumble, BitChute, and Odyssey. That's just in case, for some reason, one platform wants to censor us for any reason, or one platform, their servers go down. Whatever reason it is, there's always a backup. 
So make sure to check our website, godhonesttruth.com, for any of those links to those video platforms. Now, before we get into the draws for tonight, just go down below and leave us a comment. It could be about anything, especially tonight's drosh, seeing as how comments are different for each different video. But you can just leave us a comment for anything. If you like, let us know the first verse that comes to mind when it comes to the subject of homosexuality and what you think about it. While you're down there, make sure to also hit that like button as well as the subscribe button and be sure to ring that bell so that you're notified every time that we go live or upload a new on-demand video. And before you leave down there, make sure to hit that share button and share it around with any of your friends, family, or colleagues that you think might like this sort of content. Because odds are, if you're watching right now, you know someone in your life, in your circle, who enjoys this kind of teaching and content. So just go ahead and share it around with them so that they get blessed and educated and learn more as well. There we go. So like we indicated earlier, tonight's drosh is going to be about homosexuality and scripture. It is a very important topic that has been important for a long time now, but especially in today's day and age with all the propaganda that's going on, it's, you could say it's more important than ever. It would be a true statement. It is an important subject and especially one that we need to tackle as not only citizens of planet Earth and citizens of our individual countries, but especially as those who walk in the faith of the Messiah, those who are Messianic or Christian, whichever term you want to use. This is something that we need to know about and be prepared to defend and expound on. But before we get into tonight's drosh and all the teaching on it, just want to give a word of warning. If you do have people there, like younger children, stuff like that, be advised, there may be some language and stuff used in here. Of course, no no profanity as always, but there is going to be pretty direct language in some parts that you may or may not want certain minds and certain ears to be hearing. So just be advised, there could be things that young children may not be ready for at the moment. Of course, they will be ready at some point. And as their parents, you, of course, know the right time of when they are ready for that kind of stuff. And maybe something that you want to talk about with them on your own instead of just some video off the Internet. Either way, just want to put that out there and let you know that there is going to be certain language that you may not want them to hear. Now, as always, our faith, our doctrines, our creeds, what we believe is always based on scripture. So with that being said, we're going to start out tonight with the scriptures itself. And the very first thing that comes to mind when most people think about homosexuality in scripture is the verse in Leviticus. Leviticus 18.22 And do not lie with a male as with a woman. It is an abomination. Now, this right here sets the foundation for everything going forward as far as our drosh goes, as far as scripture, as far as doctrine goes. Plain and simple, homosexuality is banned and it's called something that is an abomination. We'll get into that word here more in just a minute. Leviticus 20, 13. 
and a man who lies with a male as he lies with a woman, both of them have done an abomination. They shall certainly be put to death. Their blood is upon them. Once again, in no uncertain terms, the Bible is condemning the practice of homosexuality. Now, one of the most famous stories as far as homosexuality goes is the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. Genesis 19, 1-5 And the two messengers came to Sodom in the morning, in the evening, I'm sorry, and Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom, and when Lot saw them, he rose up to meet them, and he bowed himself with his face toward the ground, and he said, Look, please, my masters, please turn in to your servant's house and spend the night, and wash your feet, and rise early and go on your way. And they said, No, but let us spend the night in the open square. But he urged them strongly, and they turned in to him and came into his house. And he made them a feast and baked unleavened bread, and they ate. Before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both old and young, all the people from every part surrounded the house. And they called to Lot and said to him, Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us and let us know them. Now, of course, this language, let us know them, is an idiom for sex. The men of that city saw these two strange men go into Lot's house and they wanted to have homosexual intercourse with these two men. And of course, we all know the story from here on out. This is one of the reasons why Sodom and Gomorrah were utterly destroyed, forever destroyed. That was a reference we made in our teaching on hell, if you'll remember that, that Sodom and Gomorrah has never been rebuilt. Certain cities and places throughout the years have undergone destruction due to war, stuff like that, especially Israel. There's been damage and sometimes destruction in Israel, but they've rebuilt and they've come back better, and other places have as well. But Sodom and Gomorrah, no. They were destroyed, and one of the reasons they were destroyed was because of homosexuality, and they have never again been rebuilt. Now, speaking of Sodom and Gomorrah, let's look in the Brit Hadashah, what it says also. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them in a similar way to these, having given themselves over to whoring and gone after strange flesh, are set forth as an example, undergoing judicial punishment of everlasting fire. Their sin, Sodom and Gomorrah and those cities around them, one of their sins was homosexuality and they were judged through the judicial process and the judicial process in scripture as set forth by God himself and they were destroyed and given the punishment of everlasting fire. It was so abhorrent what they were doing that they were given everlasting fire. But the Tanakh, or a.k.a. Old Testament, isn't the only place that it speaks about homosexuality. We also see it in the Brit Hadashah. So even if someone makes the claim that the Tanakh or Old Testament has been done away with, you still have it in the Brit Hadashah. So let's look at that as well. Romans 1.26 Because of this, Elohim gave them over to degrading passions. For even their women exchanged natural relations for what is against nature, 
And likewise, the men also, having left natural relations with with woman, burned in their lust for one another, men with men, committing indecency, and receiving back the reward which was due for their strain. Even the Brit Hadashah, even the AKA New Testament, is putting down homosexuality. Again. So even if you think the Old Testament's done away with, you still have to deal with the fact that homosexuality, according to scriptures, is a sin and looked down upon. Okay? Again, 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Do you not know that the unrighteous shall not inherit the reign of Elohim, or the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither those who whore, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor the effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor greedy of gain, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor swindlers shall inherit the reign of Elohim. They shall not go into the kingdom of God. In this big list right here, homosexuals are one of the people, one type of people that is pointed out that will not be in heaven, will not be in the kingdom of God. Because it's sin. Sinners, those who are sinners, and die sinners, unrepentant, unsaved, unborn again sinners, like homosexuals, will not be in the kingdom of God. First Timothy eight, I'm sorry, First Timothy one verse eight. And we know that the Torah is good if one uses it legitimately, knowing this that the Torah is not laid down for a righteous being, but for the lawless and unruly for the wicked and for sinners, for the wrongdoers and profane, for those who kill their fathers or mothers, for murderers, for those who whore, for sodomites or homosexuals, for kidnappers, for liars, for perjurers, and for whatever else that is contrary to sound teaching according to the esteemed good news of the blessed Elohim which was entrusted to me. Now we're talking about the very word of God himself. The Word of God, the Scriptures, the Torah. Here, the author is saying that the Torah was not given for those who are good and righteous, right? It says the Torah is not laid down for a righteous being. Instead, the Torah is laid down for those who are unrighteous so that they can correct themselves. Remember what Paul said? It was his school teacher to bring him to God, to bring him to Yeshua. What's the same thing? For all of these unrighteous that list here, homosexuals included, to guide them and bring them to the right way of doing things, which is not homosexuality. That's what the Torah is for, to guide them, to show them, them and all of us too, what a blessing is. Because when we follow Torah, we get the blessings. It's when we disobey and break the Torah, it's when we get curses. But here it lists homosexuals, or where it says sodomites, same thing, as those for who, as one of the groups for who the Torah was laid down and given. Now, we went over some scriptures, and we're going to go over a lot more too in just a moment. But let's go a little bit deeper into some word study and stuff like that. As I said, we're going to go over the word abomination because that is a very important thing to consider, especially when we're looking back at Leviticus 18 and the initial verses that we looked at. But the word there used for abomination in the original Hebrew is the word 
Toba, right? Hopefully I'm pronouncing that correctly. But Strong's defines it as something that is disgusting. Absolutely, just utterly disgusting. That's what the scriptures talk about when it talks about homosexuality. It says that homosexuality is an abomination. Scripture says that homosexuality is something that's absolutely disgusting. It's abominable. Right? Brown Driver Briggs pretty much says the same thing. A disgusting thing. An abomination. Abominable. That's how Scripture refers to homosexuality. Now, Genesis 19.5 And they called to Lot and said to him, Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us and let us know them. As we went over before, this is an idiom that you see a lot in Scripture, to know them. It says that Adam knew his wife, and, they, and she conceived and had a son. Right? To know someone means to have sexual intercourse with them. And these men in the city of Sodom were wanted to have homosexual intercourse with these two men that went into Lot's house. And this is one of the reasons that Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed. Let's look at some more reasons also. Ezekiel 16. See, this was the crookedness of your sister Sodom. She and her daughter had pride, sufficiency of bread, and unconcerned ease. And she did not help the poor and needy. And they were haughty and did abomination before me. And I took them away when I saw it. So yes, everyone knows about Sodom and Gomorrah, and they usually relate homosexuality with that. And that is true. They were guilty of the sin of homosexuality. That's not all they were guilty of. They're also guilty of pride for having unconcerned ease. And they did not help the poor and the needy. They were haughty, and they did abomination, referring to homosexuality. It says they were haughty and did things absolutely disgusting. Things were absolutely abominable. That's referring to homosexuality. Again in Jude, talking about Sodom and Gomorrah. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them in a similar way to these, having given themselves over to whoring and gone after strange flesh, are set forth as an example, undergoing judicial punishment of everlasting fire. So once again... We see that homosexuality was one of the things that Sodom and Gomorrah were guilty of. And because of all these sins, including homosexuality, they were destroyed by fire and given the punishment of everlasting fire. Now, in today's day and age, when we talk about homosexuality, of course, we're always going to get into the subject of marriage, right? Because homosexuals bring this up a lot. And in the past, I remember growing up, that was their big fight. They just wanted to be married, have the right to marry, right? And they said they just wanted acceptance and be able to marry. Now, as we know, for those of you who lived through all this, they went farther than that, and they still keep going farther and farther. But the issue of marriage generally tends to come up as well. So let's look at that real quick. Most of us know what marriage is. We don't want to redefine it. 
We don't want to twist it around. We already know what marriage is. But what is a definition for marriage? Can we boil it down and state it plainly like it is? Well, let's look at the Encyclopedia Americana. Under marriage, it says, In the natural history sense, marriage may be defined as a more or less durable union between male and female, lasting till after the birth and rearing of offspring, in the ethical and legal sense, marriage is a union between man and woman living in complete community of life for the establishment of a family. Now here is an encyclopedia defining what marriage is, and they define it as between a man and a woman. Not two people of the same sex or gender, which is the same thing, but between a man and a woman. Again, look at Encyclopedia Britannica. The function of marriage in human society is twofold, to regulate the relations between the sexes and to determine the relation of the child to the community. This latter function is often overlooked, but is quite as important in any scientific consideration of marriage as the former. Here it's talking about the propagation of the human species having and rearing children. That can only happen between a man and a woman. Again, going back to the very basic function of marriage. Marriage is between a man and a woman. There's no difference when it comes to scripture. Again, Encyclopedia Britannica. Marriage or matrimony may be defined either as the act, ceremony, or process by which the legal relationship of husband and wife is constituted or is a physical, legal, and moral union between man and woman in complete community of life for the establishment of family. Now here it hits both the main points. That's between man and a woman, and for the establishment of a family, having children, raising children. That is the point of marriage. Defined, straight from the encyclopedias, but again, we base our faith and our doctrines and our creeds on the Word of God, on Scripture. So let's look at this real quick. Genesis 1.27 And Elohim created the man in his image. In the image of Elohim he created him. Male and female he created them. And then it goes on to say again, And Yahweh Elohim said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I am going to make a helper for him as his counterpart. So Yahweh Elohim caused a deep sleep to fall on the man, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. And the rib which Yahweh Elohim had taken from the man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. So here we can see the original design by the Creator himself was for a man and a woman. And he even goes on to tell them what they're supposed to be doing. We'll get to that in just a moment too. But we can see here that originally it was not the man who came from the woman, but the woman who came from the man. Also, take a note here that when Yahweh saw that the man was alone, he saw it, said it was not good for him to be alone. So he made woman for man. Woman was made for man. And scripture even says this very same point. For man is not from woman, but woman from man. For man also was not created for the woman, 
but woman for the man. And there was very specific reasons for doing this because that's how you continue the human race. That's how you populate the earth. You need a man and a woman. It's basic biology, basic science. You need a man and a woman in order to produce offspring, children, create more people, right? And when it comes to the original man anyways, there was a woman created for him for that purpose, to be his helpmate, to help him have children. That's why. And that goes back to the very first commandment that they were given. And Elohim blessed them, and Elohim said to them, Be fruitful and increase, and fill the earth and subdue it, and rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over all creeping creatures on the earth. Be fruitful and increase. Be fruitful and multiply, as some, people, as some translations say it. They could not have done this if it had been two men. If it had been, you know, Adam and Steve instead of Adam and Eve, they couldn't have been fruitful and multiplied. They would have just died out and there would have been no more humans, right? Same goes if it was two women that he created in the first place. But he didn't. Because he wanted the earth to be populated with humans. In order to do that, there had to be a man and a woman. That's how it's supposed to be. Man and woman. Now, this, as we went over and as we know, most of you who are watching this anyways, that's what marriage is. That's what it's been for centuries and millennia. That's what marriage has been. But in the past few decades... It's tried to be redefined as to something different and as to whatever anybody wants it to be. But marriage is the only legitimate and true and real marriage is between a man and a woman. You can try to redefine it. You can try to destroy it. But you're just falsely using the name. And that's what evil things do is they try to destroy that which is good. As J.R.R. Tolkien said or what's attributed to him anyways, is that evil cannot create anything new. They can only corrupt and ruin what good forces have invented or made. And this goes to the point of marriage. When Yahweh himself created man and woman, the first married couple, they were definitely married, right? That's what marriage was from the very beginning. And nowadays, the sin of homosexuality is trying to corrupt and ruin that institution, that word, that terminology. And that goes directly with this quote here, that evil cannot create anything new, can only corrupt and ruin what good forces have invented or made. And once again, with this whole homosexuality movement and stuff, it's not just marriage is trying to be, they're trying to corrupt, it's also other things too. Take for example, the rainbow. The rainbow is a symbol and a promise from God himself, from Yahweh himself, our creator. That he would never again destroy the earth with a flood. That was a good promise, a good symbol that we've had for millennia. But yet in the past few decades, the sin of homosexuality has come in and tried to corrupt and ruin that. 
by taking it on as their banner. But again, they can't. What's established as a promise and symbol from God will always be that. The rainbow will always be a promise and a symbol from God. Now, anytime you get into the topic of scripture and homosexuality, another thing that's always going to come up, just about always, is the issue of the death penalty. And this is something we need to talk about too if we're going to try and fully discuss this. So in Leviticus 20.13, And a man who lies with a male as he lies with a woman, both of them have done an abomination. They shall certainly be put to death. Their blood is upon them. So if you're talking with someone and maybe they're pro-homosexuality or trying to advance the homosexual cause and you're trying to talk scripture with them, they're probably going to bring this up and say, oh, are you going to you know, kill all homosexuals? Well, no. And then they say, well, you're not really for the Bible. You don't really believe that, do you? Well, yes, we do. But here's the reason we don't go around killing homosexuals in today's day and age. Look at Deuteronomy 16, 18. And it says, Appoint judges and officers within all your gates, which Yahweh your Elohim has given you, according to your tribes, and they shall judge the people with righteous right ruling. Now, take note that back during this time, they were told to set up judges, right? Judges and officers to judge between the people matters of law and civil law and stuff like that, right? Even between minor squabbles to judge between them. Keep this in mind. Deuteronomy 13. Some men, sons of Belial, have gone out of your midst and led the inhabitants of their city astray, saying, Let us go and serve other mighty ones, mighty ones whom you have not known. Then you shall inquire, search out, and ask diligently, and see if the matter is true and established that this abomination was done in your midst. Now we're talking about a different abomination here, but still an abomination all the same. However, take note here, another aspect is saying to go and search out to see if the matter is true or not. See if the matter is established. So again, going back to those judges and those officers to determine what is true and what isn't. And again, Deuteronomy 19. One witness does not rise up against a man concerning any crookedness or any sin that he commits. At the mouth of two witnesses or at the mouth of three witnesses, a matter is established. So you cannot convict someone based on the testimony of one person, according to Scripture. You have to have at least two or three or more. That's how you establish the matter. So keep in mind there are judges and officers set up similar to what we have today. They are told and commanded to go out and search these matters that come before them to see if the matters are true or not. And they're also told that you cannot judge or convict someone based on the testimony of one person. You have to have two or three or more witnesses. Okay, with all that in mind, let's look at this next example. Deuteronomy 21. When a man has a wayward and rebellious son who is not listening to the voice of his father or the voice of his mother, and who, when they have disciplined him, does not listen to them, then his father and his mother shall take hold of him and bring him out to the elders of his city, to the gate of his city, and shall say to the elders of his city, 
This son of ours is wayward and rebellious. He is not listening to our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard. Then all the men of his city shall stone him to death with stones. Thus you shall purge the evil from your midst and let all Israel hear in fear. So again, we're talking about something different here than homosexuality, but still something that results in death penalty. Now notice here, it's talking about the parents bringing that child, the disobedient or wayward child, to the elders of the city. See how it's all starting to click now? Something worthy of death, or I'm sorry, especially something worthy of death, we brought to the elders, to the judges, to the officers that we talked about before. They would search out, see if the matter was true or not, and have those witnesses also play into whether or not there would be a conviction. Making sense yet? Now, we do not live, or we restate that, we here in America anyways, do not live in a theocracy. We live in a republic, a representative republic. Now, what does that mean? Well, that means that our laws are don't come directly and only from Scripture. Right? It is a sin and is against Scripture to be homosexual and to choose that kind of lifestyle. But it's not against the laws of the American nation. So, we don't have these religious theocracy judges and stuff we don't have these religious the, uh, theocracy laws and rulings. We have a representative republic. So, if we decided that, if we saw a homosexual on the street, for example, because these things have come up in news stories, unfortunately, that someone sees someone who is homosexual or knows someone who's homosexual, and they go out and they kill them. The thing that comes to mind now is the guys who drugged the homosexual guy behind a truck down a dirt road. That was a sinful act in and of itself. Okay? Yes, the homosexuality was a sin, but what they did was a sin also. Because they did not go before the officers and judges of a theocracy like to talk about in Scripture. Because there's not one. That guy they drugged to death did not have his day in court like Scripture's talking about. Because we don't have a scriptural court. We have a court of the nation, of our representative republic, which goes on different laws. So we cannot go around killing homosexuals because if we do, that goes against Scripture. Because we don't have this theocratic judge and court system set up right now and in place. They did back then during the time of Moses, but we don't have it now. So now if we go out on the streets and we find someone that's homosexual and we kill them, we are sinning because we don't go through the due process as set forth in scripture. So you can't cure sin by sinning. Two wrongs don't make a right, as they always say, right? But just like the same reason we don't stone our children today is for the same reason we don't go around killing homosexuals today. Because we don't have that 
godly appointed theocratic judge and court system set up. We don't go strictly by the Torah and what's laid out in Scripture. So we can't. It would be sinful and against Scripture to do so. And hopefully that clears all that up. But like I said, when you get into this topic and you're discussing Scripture and stuff with people, this is a subject that will definitely come up. So, enough about that. Let's go ahead and move on to something else that's just about maybe even more disgusting than something you've ever seen before. This, what I'm talking about now, is the Queen James Bible. You heard me correctly. They actually came out with a translation uh, called the Queen James Bible. Now, this was originally published in 2012. That's when it came out. And it's actually just a copy of the 1769 King James Bible. And what they did when they did this 2012 Queen James Bible is they removed or changed any and all negative references to homosexuality. Or, as you'll see in a minute, they tried to remove any negative references. But this is also referred to as the Gay Bible. Now... Some of the information surrounding this translation stated that King James, who was in power and whatnot during the time of the King James Bible translation, that King James, they allege, had many male lovers. That's no clue. That's what they allege anyways. That's why they named it the Queen James Bible. Now, Unfortunately, when you look on the Amazon listing for this Queen James Bible, they have the author listed as God. And that's just patently false. But anyways, that's who they have the author listed as. They don't have the actual people who did this translation listed. And when you look at the Amazon rating, they get a 2.7 out of 5 stars on Amazon, which... Kind of makes sense, given what they're trying to do and what they have messed up. But in their description there, they say, Homosexuality was first mentioned in the Bible in 1946, in the Revised Standard Version. There is no mention of or reference to homosexuality in any Bible prior to this. Only interpretations have been made. Anti-LGBT Bible interpretations commonly cite only eight verses in the Bible that they interpret to mean homosexuality is a sin. Now, this is speaking out of both sides of their mouth at one time. If you'll notice, they say that there is no mention of or reference to homosexuality in any of the previous Bibles before 1946. This is patently false. And if they wanted a Bible that didn't mention homosexuality, then why didn't they just go with one of the previous translations instead of doing their own new one? Right? Now, the point they're really trying to get at here is the use of the English word homosexual. That's what they're trying to say here. Not the concept or the practice of homosexuality, 
but the actual word homosexual wasn't used before 1946. Now, this makes sense because the actual word homosexual didn't actually see the light of day or start being used until about the 1890s, according to Merriam-Webster. So it took some time to get into common usage and people know what it was, stuff like that, and then it showed up in the first Bible translation in 1946. But the concept and the practice of homosexuality is referred to in all Bibles, all translations, ever since it was first penned in the original languages. So they're lying here when they say that there's no mention of or reference to homosexuality in the Bible prior to 1946. That's a flat-out lie. We've seen all the references so far in the scriptures we went over, and we'll go over some more here in just a moment. So again, if there's no mention of homosexuality in scripture before 1946, why not just use the previous translations instead of making up your own and try and change things? Right? It just doesn't make sense that you would change things around and make your own. Let's look at some of those real quick, some things they've changed. Leviticus 18.22 <clears throat> And it says, And do not lie with a male as with a woman is an abomination. Again, Leviticus 20.13 And a man who lies with a male as he lies with a woman, both of them have done an abomination they shall certainly be put to death. Their blood is upon them. Romans 1.26 Because of this, Elohim gave them over to degrading passions. The men also having left natural relations with woman, burned in their lust for one another, men with men committing indecency. So you can see directly from scripture that yes, there is reference to homosexuality in the scriptures even way before 1946. It was in the original Hebrew, it was in the original Greek. So yes, scripture has always made reference to homosexuality, even though it may have not used the modern English word homosexual, it still made reference to the practice in whatever language they were using. Again, do you not know that the unrighteous shall not inherited <clears throat> I'm sorry do you not know that the unrighteous shall not inherit the reign of Elohim do not be deceived neither those who whore nor idolaters nor adulterers nor effeminate nor homosexuals nor thieves nor greedy of gain nor drunkards nor revelers nor swindlers shall inherit the reign of Elohim <clears throat> Now here it says the actual word homosexual, but was that word or concept or reference used in previous translations? 1916, the GWC St. Paul from the Trenches. Yes, for the old world of wickedness that God is judging, which is forever excluded from his kingdom, is still lurking in your midst. Oh, do not be deceived by it, whatever cloak it may put on. Fornication, idolatry, adultery, sodomy... Dishonesty, greed, drunkenness, cursing, theft, these are the things that hide the kingdom of God and they can never win it. So yeah, there is reference to homosexual actions before 1946. It references the act of homosexuality before 1946. Even though it doesn't use the actual word homosexual, it's still referenced in all translations 
even then to the original Greek and the original Hebrew before 1946. But does this word here actually mean homosexual? And if we go back to the original and do a word study on it, does it actually mean that? Well, the word here used for homosexual or sodomite or sodomy comes from the word arsenokates. Sure, we'll go with that. But the original Greek word means a sodomite or someone who abuses themselves with mankind. Again, a homosexual, the word we'd use today. Thayer's definition pretty much goes along the same line, saying the actual word. It says, one who lies with a male as with a female, a sodomite, a homosexual. So even the original Greek word used here means someone who is homosexual. Even though there's no Greek word pronounced homosexual, it still refers to the act, the lifestyle choice, whatever they're doing. It's all the same thing, even though it doesn't use the English word homosexual. It does reference homosexuality even before 1946. But let's also look at this as well. 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Do you not know that the unrighteous shall not inherit the reign of Elohim? Do not be deceived, neither those who whore, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor greedy of gain, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor swindlers shall inherit the reign of Elohim, or kingdom of God. So let's look at this word real quick for effeminate, or what's translated into effeminate. And that word is malakos, if I'm, again, pronouncing it correctly. And Strong's defines it as of uncertain affinity, soft, that is, fine clothing, figuratively a catamite, effeminate or soft. Thayer, um, Thayer pretty much has the same thing. It says soft, soft to the touch, metaphorically in a bad sense. Effeminate. Right? Even goes on to list kind of people who are effeminate, those who are a male prostitute. Male prostitute would have homosexual intercourse with other men. Effeminate. Someone who is a man but is soft and womanlike. That's effeminate. And that kind of goes along with those who, a lot of those anyways, who are homosexual in today's day and age. Now, let's look at some of the things that the Queen James Bible translation actually changed. Genesis 19.5. In Queen James it says, and they called out unto Lot and said unto him, Where are the men which came in to thee this night? Bring them out unto us that we may rape and humiliate them. Now this is not what the original says. Other translations get right to the point. In Scriptures 2009, which we normally use here at God Honest Truth, it says to let us know them, which everyone understands what that means. It's an idiom for intercourse. The living, or I'm sorry, Tree of Life version says, bring them out to us so that we can have relations with them. Okay, worded differently, same effect. They wanted to have homosexual intercourse with them. Now, the contemporary English version puts it just straightforward and bluntly. Send them out so that we can have sex with them. 
But you can see what the Queen James added here. They doesn't give their intention to force them against their will. Maybe these men thought that they were like the other men of the city and it would be consensual and therefore it wouldn't be rape. But the one thing they added here was to humiliate them. And they added this to make it seem like that was their whole purpose was to humiliate them, not the homosexuality part, but for the humiliation part. However, when you get back to the original, there is no word in the original Hebrew for humiliate. So they never said this. This wasn't something that happened. These men, these evil, sinful men, wanted to have evil and sinful heterosexual intercourse with the men that went into Lot's house. Now, the Queen James tries to change it around so it wouldn't be like that, but they still failed. They still describe people wanting to have sinful homosexual intercourse. That's just the truth of it. Another example, Leviticus 18.22. Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind in the temple of Molech. It is an abomination. Again, they're adding, trying to twist things around here. Because, again, they're talking, once again, about homosexuality. They didn't get rid of that for some odd reason, but they tried to twist it into a way of saying that this is only referring to prostitution, gay prostitution in the Temple of Molech. That that was the only thing that was wrong, was the pagan part of it. No. No, once again, you get back to the original and to actual legitimate translations, and you see there's nothing referenced here about anything to do with paganism. Nothing about the Temple of Molech or Baal or anything else. The actual original scriptures and the actual legitimate translations put it forth as it actually is. That's simply talking about homosexual intercourse. Pure and simple. Nothing else, nothing added. It's saying here that it's absolutely disgusting and abominable for a man to lie with another man like they do with women. Nothing else added. Nothing about paganism or temples of false gods. Just pure and simple, homosexuality is a sin. It's all it's saying here. And even though the Queen James tries to twist that around and twist people's minds into thinking something okay with it, they fail. Another example, Leviticus 20.13. If a man also lie with mankind in the temple of Molech, as he lie with what lieth with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. Once again, they're adding stuff that isn't in the original, trying to twist it around and saying that the bad part here is the paganism part. Not the homosexuality part, the paganism part. But that's false. Once again, they're still describing something abominable and that something is homosexual intercourse. And the originals and actual legitimate translations plain and simply tell it like it is that homosexuality is a sin. Nothing to do with paganism, nothing to do with false gods or temples, just pure and simple homosexuality is a sin. Let's look at another example. In the Queen James, it says, Their women did change their natural use into that which is against nature, and likewise also the men, 
left of the natural use of the woman, burned in ritual lust, one toward another, men with men working that which is pagan and unseemly. For this cause, God gave the idolaters up into vile affections, receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was meat. So again, they're trying to twist it around, divert attention from the homosexuality part, and put attention on the pagan part. However, the pagan part is not in the actual scriptures, and it's not in actual legitimate translations either. They're trying to twist it around, divert attention, but all the same, scripture remains true. And even here in the Brit Hadashah, in the book of Romans, homosexuality is still a sin, and homosexuals will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Here's some more translations for your reference. And again, I like the contemporary English version, the way they just put it straight to you in blunt. God let them follow their own evil desires. Women no longer wanted to have sex in a natural way, and they did things with each other that were not natural. Men behaved in the same way. They stopped wanting to have sex with women and had strong desires for sex with other men. They did shameful things with each other, and what has happened to them is punishment for their foolish deeds. Again, homosexuality as a sin, even in the book of Romans, in the New Testament. 1 Corinthians, Queen James says, Know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor morally weak, nor promiscuous. So they actually removed it and took it out right here. In an actual legitimate translation, it says, Do you not know that the unrighteous shall not inherit the reign of Elohim? Do not be deceived, neither those who whore, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor greedy of gain, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor swindlers shall inherit the reign of Elohim. So here, the Queen James translation is just destroying and taking away scripture to push their agenda. Here's some more translations of that. First Timothy, Queen James says, For whoremongers, for them that defile themselves, for men-stealers, for liars, for perjured persons, and if there be any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine. Again, they try to twist it around. They say men-stealers, as if someone goes and steals someone's man, right? That's the way they're trying to twist it and divert attention. However, when you get into actual legitimate translations, it says this, For those who whore, for sodomites, for kidnappers, for liars, for perjurers, and for whatever else that is contrary to sound teaching, free of life version, the sexually immoral, homosexuals, slave traders, liars, perjurers, and for anything else that opposes sound teaching. And again, the contemporary English version. The law was written for people who are sexual perverts or who, or who live as homosexuals or are kidnappers or liars or won't tell the truth in court. Is for anything else that opposes the correct teaching. So, Queen James tried to take it out and twist it around, but when you get back to the actual scriptures, the original Greek text, the actual legitimate translations, you can't get around the fact that homosexuality is still a sin. Jude 1 7. Queen James says, 
even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after non-human flesh, are set forth an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Non-human flesh. When you first read that, you're thinking, oh, well, they're going after dogs and cows and wolves, maybe? Non-human flesh. No, that is not a legitimate translation. Let's look at this real quick. The Scriptures 2009. Even as Sodom and Amorah and the cities around them, in a similar way to these, having given themselves over to whoring and gone after strange flesh, are set forth in an example. Tree of Life version. In the same way as these angels, Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after a different sort of flesh. Contemporary English version. We should also be warned by what happened to the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and the nearby towns. Their people became immoral and committed all sorts of sexual sins. So you can see how Queen James is trying to twist it around here, get away from the point. But one of the reasons Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed was for sexual immorality to include homosexuality. And one translation says here, strange flesh, not unhuman flesh, but strange flesh, meaning someone they weren't supposed to be with sexually. Strange flesh would be for a man to be with a man. That would be strange flesh because a man is supposed to be with a woman. That would be normal. But strange would be another man. That's what strange flesh means, or at least in this context anyways. But Queen James tries to just completely twist it around and say non-human flesh. They going after cows and dogs? No. No. Queen James just twisted it to push their agenda. That's all it was. Now, I like one of the reviews it said on here. From the entry on Amazon for the Queen James Bible, it says, If you're buying a book that suits your flesh, by definition, you are ignoring what you know to be true and refusing to repent. And that's so true. Because if you know Scripture condemns homosexuality, and it does, and you try to buy a twisted version of Scripture to suit your own desires, and suit your own flesh, yeah, you're ignoring what you know to be true, that homosexuality is a sin, and you don't want to repent. Another commenter or reviewer said this, You do not change the word, the word changes you. Amen. You are not God. You do not set the standards. You do not say what is right and wrong. Scripture says that. Scripture needs to direct you and change your life. It's not you that changes Scripture. As it says in Jeremiah 5, An astounding and horrible matter has come to be in the land. The prophets have prophesied falsely, and the priests rule by their own hand. And my people have loved it so, and what are you going to do at the end of it? Again, talking about people changing things and doing what they want. Not doing the, the will and the Torah and the word of God. Again in Isaiah. And go, write it before them on a tablet and inscribe it on a scroll that is for a latter day, a witness forever, that this is a rebellious people, lying children, children who refuse to hear the Torah of Yahweh, who say to the seers, do not see, and to the prophets, do not prophesy to us what is right, 
Speak to us what is smooth. Prophecy, prophesy deceits. Turn aside from the way, swerve from the path, cause the set-apart one of Israel to cease from before us. So even back in the Old Testament, the Tanakh, they were foreshadowing or prophesying things were happening in our day even. And this is what's happening with the homosexual movement, especially those who are trying to come into Christianity. They're saying, you know, do not tell us what is right. Just tell us what we want to hear, what's smooth and silky, what we like to hear, what feels good. That's what they try to do with this Queen James Version. Romans 16. Now I call upon you, brothers, watch out for those who cause divisions and stumbling, contrary to the teaching which you learned, and turn away from them. For such ones do not serve our Master Yeshua Messiah, but their own stomach, and by smooth words and flattering speech, they deceive the hearts of the innocent. See how that fits in with today's day and age also? And one more. 2 Timothy 4.3 For there shall be a time when they shall not bear sound teaching, but according to their own desires, they shall heap up for themselves teachers tickling the ear. Again, hitting home in today's day and age. And that's what some of the gay churches are doing. They're not teaching scripture. They're not telling the truth. They're not helping people get their lives right. They're just telling them what they want to hear, what sounds good to them. And this fits right in with the whole immor immorality aspect of it all. And speaking of immorality, this is what some, uh, well, one person in the homosexual movement said about homosexuality and morality. He says, The explicit root and branch rejection of morality by gays has been real, pervasive, and baleful in its effect on both the quality of life that we create for ourselves within the community and our PR with straights. In short, many gays reject morality, offering any one of a variety of reasons, rational and emotional <clears throat> for doing so. Rational and emotional for doing so. But there's a simpler, darker reason why many gays choose to live without morality. As ideologies go, amorality is damned convenient. And the mortal enemy of that convenience is the value judgment. Without morality, there can be no compelling basis for responsibility to others. I mean, he told it, you know, like he thought and how he believed. And that's hard hitting right there. As we went over the scriptures, we saw plainly that homosexuality is a sin. But as we also know, homosexuality is immoral. And they're admitted to it right here. And probably many other publications as well. It's immoral. And they reject morality because he said here, because they don't want to be responsible to anyone else. They don't want to be responsible to anything else either. Because amorality, whatever they define as right and wrong, is so convenient for them. And that's what they're doing with this whole homosexual agenda stuff. They're defining what is and isn't right. And it's not right. Now some objections to what we may have said here today or those who put forth scripture and that homosexuality is a sin. 
this is one of the things that's been going on for a long time. One of the main objections that we've heard since, I know at least since the 90s, definitely. <clears throat> and the main objection is that homosexuals are born gay. They're just born that way, right? They can't help it. It's like someone who's born <coughs> black or with red hair. They're just born that way. Well, is that actually true? Not when you think about it. First of all, genetically identical twins, they've done studies on this. They've looked at genetically identical twins, exact same genes. And one of them will be gay and the other won't. So if it's genetic, if you're born that way, why aren't both those twins gay? Now, when you talk about genetics also, you get into family history. And most homosexuals anyways have no prior family history of homosexuality, right? Take me as an example. I've got a long family history of Caucasians, right? Therefore, it makes sense that I was born Caucasian. I've got a long family history of males. I was born male, right? If they have a long family history of this and that, some people have, you know, birthmarks or certain mutations or what have you. But there's been a family history. There's even family histories of triplets and twins. But it's no surprise sometimes when people wind up with triplets and twins because they've already known about it in their past family history. That's genetic. That's the way people are born. But when it comes to homosexuality, that's not the same case. They don't have a history of homosexuality. Not genetically, anyways. So, that's another, you know, debunking point there. And again, as advances in genetic technology have, you know, progressed by leaps and bounds over the years, they still have not found any genetic or DNA links for homosexuality. They haven't found the homosexual gene. So, no, it's not genetic. You're not born that way. Now, if people also were born gay, then they wouldn't be able to change and stop being gay. But yet, we see many, many stories of people coming forth and telling their story, their testimony, of how they used to be gay, and now they're not. Well, you can't change that if you're born that way. I cannot just stop being Caucasian, right? A black man cannot just stop being black. Now, so you might say, well, people change their hair color. Yeah, you can dye it, but it's still the original color all the same because that's genetics, right? You can put on various makeup or costumes, stuff like that, but it doesn't change your genes. And you're still the way you were before anyways. But with homosexuality, like I said, you hear these stories about people who used to be gay, used to be homosexual, and now they are not homosexual anymore. For one story about that, look on our social media profiles. We posted a video about that as well. A guy who used to be homosexual, he ended up going to church, got convicted, turned his life around, now he has a wife and children 
And he's so blessed and so thankful that he got his life turned around and headed the right direction because he's now been blessed with that wife and that children and his children. Go look that up on our social media profiles, or you can go look it up for yourself and see many other stories just like that. And another argument they bring up too, as far as this born gay stuff, they say it's all natural. And they say, look to the animal world. And they give examples of, or supposed examples of various animals being gay. And they use that as justification. Well, that's a non-starter to begin with. Because if anyone's been around the animal kingdom, you know they do things that we do not do and should not do. For example, chickens. I've been around chickens a lot in my life. And I have never seen consensual reproduction between a rooster and a hen. If we put it into human terms, I've only ever seen a rooster rape a hen. Because the hen will be going about its day, you know, pecking on the ground, eating, finding bugs, whatever, just minding her own business. And all of a sudden, that rooster's right on top of her. He didn't court her for any reason. He didn't woo her or try to seduce her and have her come to him. No, the rooster finds the hen and just goes after it, right? So we can't use the animal world as our example of how to live. And trying to use the animal world is a non-starter. Now, another thing that's brought up in these discussions, they say if it doesn't hurt anyone, or if it's behind closed doors in our own bedrooms, then what does it matter? Who does it hurt? Right? Well, the fact is, it doesn't stay behind closed doors. It doesn't stay away from other people. And it does hurt people. It does hurt society. So how does it hurt people? Well, it hurts people when it infringes on religious beliefs. Now, some of the examples that we can immediately bring up right now is that when people are forced to bake cakes for gay weddings or take photos for gay weddings, and it's something that's against their own beliefs, but yet they get forced into doing it or they're shut down or extremely fined. That's one way that it hurts people. Right? And there's many other examples I'm sure you can think of. If you can think of another example, let us know down in the comments below. But that's one way it hurts people. Another way, when free, spree, I'm sorry, free speech is oppressed to protect the ideology. And we see this more and more as time goes on, that you're not supposed to speak out against homosexuality. You're supposed to go along with it. Or just keep quiet. Otherwise, you get shut down sometimes. You get... Mind, you get legal action brought against you for hate speech, even though there's no legal definition for hate speech, and it's not a legal thing anyways, but it's still try to oppress free speech, say you can't say this, you can't say that, and try to do away with your free speech. That's how another way of how it hurts people. <clears throat> also, when children don't get the benefit of both a mother and a father, like they deserve. Every child deserves the benefit of a mother and a father. And to do so is neglecting the child. Plain and simple. Another video that we posted this week in preparation or leading up to this drosh is a woman who was raised by two women. 
And now that she's an adult, she is opposing gay marriage. She says that her mother was never bad to her, but now that she is grown up and married to a man <clears throat> and has children, that she sees the benefit of a man and a woman, an actual marriage, to children. And the benefit that those children get because they get both their experience from both their mother and their father. And it's not just one-sided. So yeah, that's another way that homosexuality harms or hurts people by depriving children of a mother or a father. So now, after all that, still got more to go. And this is going to hit home, especially with anyone out there who may know someone who's homosexual or if you are homosexual and you're watching this, this is really going to hit home. Okay? Now, some of the negative downsides to homosexuality is that homosexuals have a much shorter life expectancy than those who are not homosexual, those who are normal and natural, right? What they call heterosexual. But says homosexuality may, I'm sorry, homosexual activity may be associated with a lifespan that's shortened by 20 to 30 years. This is coming from the National Institute for Health. And if you want to look this up and look for at the uh, write-up they did there, you can see the, um, <clears throat> sorry, the link. This is back in 1998. There's other recent studies also. This one from 2009, they did a study in of Danish men and women. And it says, Danish men and women in same-sex marriages still have mortality rates that exceed those of the general population. Now, in all fairness, that 1998 study studied both the pre-1995 and post-1995, I think it was. But anyways, 1995 is about when they come out with the AIDS drug. And the mortality rate for homosexuals was much greater before the homosexual, I'm sorry, before the AIDS drug came out. And after it came out, the mortality rate was still higher for homosexuals, but not as high as it was before that. So just wanted to put that out there in case there were any naysayers that knew a little bit about the study. But still, even with after the HIV drug or the AIDS drug, the mortality rate for homosexuals is still higher than with others, non-homosexuals. Also, 50% of LGBTQ or homosexual teens between 13 and 17 seriously considered attempting suicide in the past year, and 18% actually made a suicide attempt. That's more than twice the rate of suicide attempts among all U.S. teens, which is 9%. So the suicide rate for homosexuals is even greater as well. Again, 75% of LGBTQ or homosexual teens experience symptoms of anxiety in the past year, 61% experience symptoms of depression, and among all LGBTQ youth surveyed, 13 to 24, I had 24 as a youth, but 82% wanted mental health care in the past year. And this is really getting to the crux of the matter. But how it's a mental issue. It's not genetic. It's mental. Leading to things like suicide, depression, anxiety, seeking health, mental health care. Right? Getting to the actual crux of the issue. Again, studies have found that LGBTQ youth attempt suicide 
youth attempt suicide more than three times more frequently than their heterosexual counterparts. Now look at this. In Canada, a Canadian study estimated that the risk of suicide amongst LGBTQ youth is 14 times higher than for heterosexual youth. Did you get that? It was talking about the American study. It's talking about two to three times higher than non-homosexuals. But in Canada, it was 14 times higher. Getting to the crux of the matter, it's a mental issue, not genetic. Goes on. Among youth who attempted suicide, almost twice as many LGBTQ youth said they really hoped to die. We have got to reach out to them, get them straightened out and on the right way. Because we see the real danger here is they could try to take their own lives. And we don't want that to happen either. It also says of transgender people, between 30 to 45% report having attempted suicide. Now these numbers, some of these numbers are higher than the suicide rates in the concentration camps in Nazi Germany. I mean, it's unacceptable. We've got to reach out to them. We've got to witness to them. Try to bring them to Yeshua. Try to bring them to the word of Yahweh. And get their lives right. This is something we've got to reach out and try to correct and help these people. Because scripture says that Yahweh desires that no man should die. Right? That all should be saved. And this includes homosexuals. We need to reach out to them so that they can get their lives straightened up and go the right way instead of the homosexual way. So, we went over a lot tonight, and it's, ooh, gosh, running long, but we're ending up now. So, in summary, <clears throat> homosexuality is definitely a sin. No two ways about it. No getting around it. Homosexuality is a sin. Homosexuality is condemned in multiple places in Scripture, both in the Tanakh and in the Brit Hadashah. So if you say the Tanakh or Old Testament is done away with, you still have to admit that homosexuality is condemned and it's a sin. We also went over and discovered how no one is born gay and that the Queen James Bible is a perversion of Scripture, not an actual translation. We also saw that marriage was created and instituted and is between a man and a woman for the purpose of reproduction. Not two men, not two women, but between a man and a woman. And finally, homosexuality is harmful not only to the general population as a whole, but also to those who choose to be homosexual. Right? We saw the ways that it affects others. We also saw the ways that it affects the homosexuals themselves. Through higher mortality rates, through higher suicide rates, or at least suicide attempts anyways. But it's just a harmful lifestyle for anyone to choose. And that's just the God honest truth. And if you're watching tonight, please get in contact with a, a good church or a good ministry or someone that can help you through this. Contact us. It'd be a lot better if you find someone local you get face to face with. But if you need to, contact us. Get into the scriptures. Get your life turned around. Come to Yeshua. Get born again. Get your life straightened out before it's too late.
Because one day we're all going to die. And the scripture tells us homosexuals will not enter the kingdom of God. So if you want eternal life, you have to get your life straightened out. You have to repent of your homosexual lifestyle that you have chosen and get on the right path. We can help you with that. Your local church can help you with that. But just reach out so that you don't end up as a statistic. We don't want you to end up a statistic. Please get some help. And I'll leave you with this. <clears throat> Just know that homosexuality is not a cause or the cause. Rather, it's a symptom. A symptom of the purpose of the adversary or the devil or Satan, wherever you want to call him. And also a symptom of man's evil desire to serve himself and his own desires without being held accountable. And we saw that from the quote from the homosexual about how homosexuals reject morality because amorality is so convenient. But I would like to thank you for joining us tonight. If you made it all the way through, congratulations. Golly, we're almost on the two-hour mark, getting close to that anyways. But try to be as thorough as possible. Unfortunately, we didn't get everything that we could have or sometimes not everything that we should have. But hopefully we got the big important parts as always, if you have any additional questions, comments, concerns, suggestions, make sure to reach out to us either through our email, team at godhonesttruth.com, or through one of our many social media profiles, and we'll try to get in, back in touch with you as soon as possible. In just a moment, we'll be doing the Aaronic Benediction or Priestly Blessing. So if you have anyone there with you that you would like to have gathered next to you when we do that, go ahead and start getting them together. Also, before we let you go and before this ends, Go down below, leave us a comment, hit that subscribe button, and ring the bell to be notified anytime we go live or when we upload new videos. Hit that like button and hit that share button and share it around. Because as everyone knows, word of mouth advertising is the best advertising that anyone can have. And we really do appreciate every time that you share with someone else God Honest Truth Ministry. We really do. We appreciate that. So, with all that being said, Let's do the Aaronic Benediction. Yivarikaka Yahweh, Vayishmarecha, Yair Yahweh Panavelecha, Vihunecha, Yisah Yahweh. Banave lecha, veyasim lecha, shalom. May Yahweh bless you and guard you. May Yahweh make his face shed light upon you and be gracious unto you. May Yahweh lift up his face unto you and give you peace. Thank you once again for joining us tonight for tonight's Drosh and service. We hope you have a great and restful Shabbat. We hope that the next upcoming week is fruitful for you, that you're blessed with good food, good fortune, good spirits, good health, good food, good family, good friends. And until we meet again next week, Friday, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, we'd like to wish you a Shabbat Shalom and Shavua Tov.